Good morning, International Church of Prague. My name is Vince. I am a guest here. It's so good to see so many guests as well. Um, Over the last couple of weeks, we've been in the book of Jonah. So if you want to turn in your Bibles to Jonah chapter 2, that's where we're going to be today. Um, You remember a couple of weeks ago, we saw that the Lord had commissioned Jonah to do something, right? He said, arise and go to Nineveh and call out against it, for their sin has come up before me. And what did Jonah do? He, he arose and he took off running from the Lord, right? And we, we saw how disobedience to the Lord's commands uh, invites his judgment, right? But it doesn't stop there. Like, like Christ came in order to take that judgment upon himself. And then last week we saw that Jonah, he was given so many chances to repent, right? And, and he never did. He never did. He kept going. And he, he, he would rather be thrown into the violent sea than to throw himself under the mercy of a gracious and compassionate God. Jonah was thrown overboard, pointing us to Christ and his substitution for sinners so that they would be saved And we left off last week where the Lord had appointed a great fish to swallow him. And he was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. So let's read God's word from Jonah chapter 2. This is God's holy and authoritative word for our lives. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice, for you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight. Yet I shall again look upon your temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped about my head. At the roots of the mountains, I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord, my God. When my life was fainting away, I remember the Lord and my prayer came to you in your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with a voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. 
Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, and we pray now that your spirit, Lord, moves in us. Lord, that it, that it changes our minds and works down into our hearts to do what it should do there and, and change our hearts. Align it more with the character of Christ. And out of that changed heart, it, it, it informs our mind of how we should live, Lord. I ask that by the power of your Spirit and in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So this passage today is one of the more wonderful for me in the Bible. You know, on the one hand, we've, we've got this prophet who's been so disobedient that he's now thrown into the sea and he's, he's getting what he deserves, right? He's getting his just rewards. And, and there's a part of me that I'm like, man, I love justice. And I kind of, I look at someone, you know, I look at wrongdoing, even in myself, and I'm like, Corpus, you know better. And, and, and I'm like, yeah, it's about time, Jonah, and then I remember and I realize that if I got what I deserved, if I got justice, I'd be worse off than Jonah. And if each of us is honest with ourselves, the same is true for all of us here. If we got what we deserved, we would be at the roots of the mountains with seaweed wrapped around our heads with the bars closing in upon us forever. And then we have this great show of God's grace to his wayward prophet. And it's not because Jonah did anything to deserve it. Just the opposite is true. And this passage shows us, it, it actually contains the words here. Like, like the salvation that we need, that we long for, that we hope for, comes from the Lord. And we're, we're going to look at Jonah's prayer in kind of three sections here. Sinking, where, where we see Jonah and, and, and where he gets what he deserves. And he's sinking and he's falling. And, and judge, it, it, there's judgment terms that are used here. And then we're going to look at saving. Where God, in his grace, saves this disobedient prophet. And then we're going to look at the final section of sending, where in a sense Jonah is recommissioned and sent out by the Lord. These, these three sections, they, they come together to show us that salvation comes from the Lord. So our first section is sinking. Verse 1, then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice, for you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me, and your waves and your billows passed over me. And I said, I'm driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped about my head at the roots of the mountains. I went down 
to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. So the first thing we see here is this is all written in past tense, right? Jonah's recounting this. So, so spoiler alert, he actually does make it out of the belly of the whale. If you haven't read ahead yet, um, he does make it out. That's why we have this psalm here. Uh, psalm of salvation is what it's called. But it shows something. This, this psalm shows us something about the person of Jonah and about the person of God. And we've, we've got to see that. And it also shows something about us. Jonah prayed from the belly of the fish. And God answered him. Isn't that crazy? Like imagine you had a friend, all right? And you called them all the time, and they never answered. You texted them all the time, they never texted back. Sorry if that friend is me. I'm the worst at... Okay, I'll, I'll answer you back eventually. And, and, and like, they, anytime you are like, hey, you want to hang out? They're like, man, I'm busy, you know, yada, yada. And then guess what? They call you and they're like, hey, my car broke down. I know it's strange because everyone takes public here. Just imagine with me, okay? And they're like, hey, my car broke down. I need you to come and like charge the battery and jump my battery. And you're like, okay. Now look, I would like to think about myself that I'd be like, all right, friend, sorry. You never come hang out. You never help me. You never answer my calls back. I'm actually, I'm too busy now. But I'd probably be like, yeah, all right, I'll be there in like 20 minutes, dude. I'll help you out. But imagine you had a friend like that. And then when they really, really need something, they call you up. And it's like, dude, I called you like five times. You never returned my call. You never answered my call. Like, am I really going to answer this? I guess I am. I hope you do. Why do I hope you do? Because what we see here is, is Jonah has been running from the Lord. Disobedient to the Lord. God told him, go to Nineveh. That great city, call out against it. Jonah was like, "Mm -mm." nope. And he goes down and he's asleep in the ship and the Lord throws a storm against him and Jonah's like, still not listening. Nope, I hear you, but I ain't listening to you. And then the captain comes down and he's like, why are you sleeping? And Jonah's like, because nothing's going to save us, man. And they throw the lots. And they tell Jonah, what have you done? What have you done to us? And Jonah's like, still not going to listen to the Lord. You know, you know what? Here's an idea, guys. If y'all throw me overboard, it'll all stop. And then finally, as he's thrown overboard, what does he do? Oh, okay, God! Help! I know I didn't listen to you. And God answers him. God hears him. From the deep, he answers him. Finally, there's some semblance of repentance from Jonah. 
Why, though, does he call out to the Lord? It's not out of a heart that is like, okay, Lord, I, I want to do what you said now. No, it's like, I'm in trouble. I'm dying. This is the end of it here. No, he's, he's heading down to the deep and he needs the Lord's help. We, we see these words like, like belly of Sheol and the deep and the heart of the seas and he's surrounded by the flood. Waves and billows are passing over him. He's not just in distress. He's in what I would call deep distress. He's, he is dying. He's he, without help. He's gone. That is what Sheol means here. It's the, the dwelling place of the dead. And he's saying that the, him saying he's in the belly of Sheol is like, yeah, I'm done. I'm dead. I'm in the pit, the grave. There's no way out. As it says here later, uh, the, its bars close over you forever. There's no escaping this place. There's very little that strikes fear into the hearts of man, except the sea. It's untamable. We, we think we can tame it, and we, we build seawalls, and then a tsunami happens, and it washes over these seawalls and destroys stuff, destroys cities sometimes, destroys nuclear power plants at other times. And, and, and then we think, oh, well, like, hey, let's... Let's explore the deep. And, and just recently, we've been able to finally get down to some of the deepest parts of the sea with our technological advances. It's untamable. It's raw power that the sea represents is amazing. And he's under the sea. He's in the heart of of the seas, the flood surrounds him. The waters closed over him to take his life. The seaweeds wrapped about his head and he finally ends at the roots of the mountains. He is at the deepest part of the sea. And the worst thing about all of this is that Jonah got what he wanted. And he says, I am driven away from your sight. Why did he get on the ship in Joppa headed for Tarshish? Do you remember? He was fleeing from the presence of the Lord. God's like, okay. You want to get away? You got it. Jonah says, I am driven away from your sight. And our, our English Bibles have yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. But I think there's, there's a, a, a possible different translation for that that I believe captures Jonah's hopelessness here. It, it's more akin to how shall I ever look upon your temple again? This, this, this part of the psalm is filled with hopelessness. He's sinking. He's going down to the depths. He's covered by the sea. The waves and the billows are, are seeking to take his life. The deep is surrounding him. The seaweed is wrapping around his head. And he thinks, how, how will I ever 
see your temple again. And why is he hopeless? He says, because God cast him into the seas. It's God's waves and billows passing over Jonah. I have been driven away doesn't mean, hey, I finally succeeded in running away. No, it means God has driven him away. See, he sees all of this, all of this distress and calamity as being under the hand of God, as as God's sovereignty bringing this about. And he brings distress about to his people for the purposes of repentance. God uses the hardships in his people to bring about their deliverance and his salvation. One of the truly remarkable parts of this section, though, are the the linguistic cues here that are linking it to other parts of Scripture. Okay, When, when we see the deep and when we see um the heart of the seas, and we, and we see these, these things uh, akin to, to signs of death, you know, the seaweed wrapping about his head, the waters closing in over him to take his life. These, these are all, there are, there are linguistic cues that link this to things like the flood in Genesis, where God poured out his judgment on a sinful humanity, but he saved Noah. We see it uh, echoing things like the Exodus where God saved his people through the waters, right? But his enemies, what happened? They were killed. He poured out his judgment in a sense there. These linguistic cues speak back even to when God in Genesis 1 ordered the world brought about order out of chaos to a primordial world. What's the significant there? Well, it's it's, it's linking God's sovereignty over not just all of the things in the world and in creation, but even over these, these intimate details that are taking place in Jonah's life. So what about you? Is there a place in your life where you're sinking? Is there a storm that maybe, you know, you're trying to weather? You're like, man, you know, just another day and it'll, it'll pass. Maybe you have a child who's walked away from the Lord. Maybe some in your family are not believers and you're growing weary of doing good to them. Maybe today you're here and you're not a believer. 
You see, when God brings about judgment to his enemies, symbolized here by the waters of judgment, he always saves his people through loving, redemptive deeds. All we have to do is call out to him. Call out to the Lord and he will answer it. Jonah shows us truly that all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Even those who in their rebellion have rejected him and have run away from him and said, I am not listening to you. I want to get away from you. When they call out, when they call upon the name of the Lord, they are saved. <laughs> because salvation comes from the Lord. This now brings us to our second section, saving. Picking up in verse 6b. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. You know, this is astounding, isn't it? The Lord has brought this on Jonah, and after at jo he's brought it on Jonah after Jonah brought it on himself. Jonah ran, and now in the darkest part, God reaches out to him in grace. Jonah sees death and his sinking in the waters and going down to the deep into the heart of the sea as God doing this to him. But he also sees his salvation as God's doing. He knows that he deserves to die and he's filled with heartache at the possibility of never seeing God's temple again in Jerusalem. And he says, but you brought up my life from the pit. He's basically saying, Yahweh, you saved me. When all is dark for God's people, he is a very present help in times of trouble. Even though the earth should be moved into the heart of sea, yet we will hope in our God. The God of Jacob is our fortress, right? And, and, and the God of Jacob reaches down to Jonah. And he's now sovereignly stepping in to save his prophet and bringing him up from the pit. That word pit is often translated as grave. So we say in this that God is saving him from death. 
The great thing about this prayer is that although Jonah's life was fading away from him and then he remembered the Lord and prayed to him, we know that the Lord has already remembered Jonah, right? The Lord had appointed a fish to swallow Jonah. God has already reached out to his prophet through the fish. You know, Jonah is not only thanking God from the belly of the fish. He is in fact thanking God for the fish. The fish is the means of salvation that the Lord used. God could have just reached down and and brought him up somehow. Well, he did with the fish. That's what he did. Jonah sees the fish as God's salvation from the deep, from the heart of the seas, from the roots of the mountains where the seaweed was wrapped around his head and his life was fainting away. That is when the fish swallowed him and saved him from certain death. When he got down to the roots of the mountains and the bars were closing over him, that is when the fish swallowed him and brought his life up from the pit, saving him from certain death. You know, sometimes we can look at stuff going on around us. You know, maybe, maybe it's the belly of a fish, right? And we're like, man, this really stinks. It smells like fish in here. It's all slimy and gooey and probably going to die here. And sometimes... That is the means by which God is saving us, is moving us, is, is, is maturing us, is forming us more into the image of Christ. And then when he's done with that process, he brings us out of that circumstance. Jonah did not look at the fish as a further judgment from God. He looked at the fish as the salvation from God. I'm sure it wasn't nice inside of there. God used this miraculous sea creature that's big enough to swallow a man to save him. And again, there are links, linguistic links to these other stories. Noah's family were saved through the instrument of God's deliverance. That is the ark, right? The Israelites were saved when they crossed the Red Sea through the instrument of God's means. That is, the parted Red Sea when they were walking through on dry ground. Now God, in His grace, saves His prophet through the appointed means of this fish. He sees the fish as a means Therefore, he can say those who regard vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. The fish is an expression of God's steadfast love. Only God can save from this kind of death. Not an idol made of wood or clay or stone. No. No, only God. The prayers 
that he offers are similar to the prayers of the sailors. He's praying to the Lord now, not to to some vain idol. And he says, I will make a sacrifice with a voice of thanksgiving. What I have vowed, I will pay. And his final exclamation, salvation is of the Lord. In the original, it's only two words, salvation and Lord. But, but the, the construction there is, is one which really communicates ownership. So, so in a sense, God owns salvation. And he does with it what he pleases. He dispenses it on whom he desires to. And maybe you're sitting here going, wow, man, like, that sounds pretty good. That sounds pretty good. It is pretty good. You see, Jonah's a new man in a sense. He can now do what pleases the Lord. And this amazingly is held out for us in the text of the original. So, so real quick, nerd out with me for a second, okay? In 117, the fish is described using masculine language. Okay, and then in 2.1, the fish is used using feminine language. Or the fish is described using feminine language. Is this a fish that can change its gender? No. Is this some kind of scribal mistake in the text? No. The Jews were very, very careful about scribal errors. They would destroy and burn scribal errors immediately. So what's going on here? What's going on here? Well, the gender of the fish changes because it's about to give new birth. You see, Jonah is a new man and he's being brought up from the pit, from death, from Sheol, through the belly of the fish. It's indicative of the new birth that believers must undergo before they can obey and please the Lord. You see, the new birth is a changed Jonah. And we're no different. You know, maybe... Maybe today you're sitting here thinking, man, this sounds crazy. It, it does sound a little crazy at points. And, and you're like, okay, God used this miraculous fish back then. Does God still work miracles? Well, look, I think He does. I think He does. Some of you have known me for a long time and you've heard this story before. Some of you have never met me. (laughs) But like we said earlier, first we have to see we were sinking. So a little bit about my life. I was sinking. Sinking. I was a hardcore drug addict, addicted to coke, crack, methamphetamines, and I did a lot of them. And I don't mean that to brag. I mean that To my shame, I did a lot of drugs. And actually, tomorrow is 15 years. No. Yeah, clap for the Lord. Clap for the Lord. Not for me. 
It's not me. But here's the thing. It was nothing that I did that saved me. All I did was create more and more havoc, create more and more storms. Ask my wife if you don't believe me. All of my efforts were the same as Jonah and the sailors. There was more and more tempestuousness in life. And then the Lord in his sovereignty reached in, changed my life, gave me a new life, and brought my life up from the pit. And now today I'm a preacher and a pastor And that is crazy. That's about as crazy as God using a big fish to swallow a man and save his life. The Lord still works miracles. He still gives new life. He still brings about and works repentance. The salvation we long for, that we need, the thing that can make us from, that can turn us from pagan sailors and runaway prophets into children of God, that salvation comes from the Lord. Finally, briefly, for real, briefly, not like most preachers say briefly and you go another 20 minutes. Um, We don't have that long. Uh, sending. This is our final section here. Verse 10, And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. You see, God saves His people for a purpose. He didn't just save Jonah and leave him in the belly to just be in the belly and, and kind of worshiping God, just him and, and God forever in that place that the Lord saved him. No, he, he caused the fish to expel Jonah back out on dry land. Why? Well, we'll see next week why, but it's to go to Nineveh. A very brutal and godless place call out against them. He saved him to send him to others who didn't know him, who needed to experience the same kind of repentance that the sailors in Jonah have experienced. He saved him and then sending him. And the first step is to get him back to dry land. And again, we see these these linguistic links here. Dry land. The Hebrew term used there, we see it popping up again in Genesis 1 when what? When God divided the seas and the dry land, right? And then we see it again in the, the flood narrative where God caused the waters to dry up and the ark came to rest on dry land. They're safe. And then he divided the waters of the Red Sea and the Israelites walked across safely on dry land. And now Jonah is brought through the waters of death to stand safely on dry ground. What a gracious and compassionate God. And all of this happens only because of the work of Christ who sunk down to save his people. 
because he was sent by the Lord. You see, God is a missionary God. He has been on a rescue mission since Genesis 3 to save his people from their sins and bring them to a place where they can stand on dry ground before him without fear of judgment and being swept away. And so he sent his son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus accomplished that by, in a sense, sinking. He became what he wasn't, but never ceased to be what he was. He took on flesh. Paul tells us he's the exact imprint of the invisible God and did not see equality with God as something to be grasped. So he emptied himself, taking the form of a servant. He sunk down to us in human flesh. The Word made flesh, and he dwelt among us. And he saved us by diving into the deep waters of God's wrath and judgment. Bearing our sins in his body on the tree. Our sins and our disobedience he took upon himself. So that we could be brought out of the waters of death. And stand secure on dry land. On the dry ground of Christ's righteousness. Not on some dry ground that that just happens to be there. No, the rock of Christ is what we stand upon. All because he was sent on a mission to save us. And those whom he saves, he now sends out as well. See, Jonah not only is a, a, a description of what happens to believers, but of what would happen to the Savior. He would go down to the depths, to the land whose bars would close over one forever, but they could not hold the Savior back. They could not close over him forever. They could not keep him in its, Sheol could not keep him in its belly. No, the weeds that were wrapped around his head in the form of grave clothes could not stand forever as he burst forth in glorious day. See, he was sinless and fully righteous. Therefore, he died in the place of the unrighteous. And his resurrection proves that he paid for them, that he ransomed them, that he accomplished the work of reconciling his people back to God. We're saved because the sent one went to the very depths that we deserved. And we're saved by that means. The vessel of Christ's body hanging on the cross. His blood shed for us. That is the means of our salvation. You see, salvation comes from the Lord. It is His and and He delivers, He dispenses it to His people freely through their faith in the Son to free them from their sins and deliver to them new life. The greater Moses, the greater Jonah, the greater Noah, that one gives us new life and faith. And then he sends us out. 
So I just want to ask you, have you recognized that you were sinking? That's the first step of salvation. We have to see we were sinking and needed a Savior. Then after seeing that we were sinking, did, 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 did you call out to the Lord? Have you called out to Him? Look, if you're hearing this today and you've not called out to Him, it's not an accident. You're not here by chance. You're here at the invitation of the one who made the sea and dry ground. You're here at the invitation of the one who paid for your sins. Call out to him. The Lord Jesus Christ, crucified and then raised to new life, he will save He is the only one who can save. And scripture tells us he saves to the uttermost. Call out to him. And then let's see who he's sending us to. Who is he sending you to? He sends all of his people. Ask him to reveal to you who he's sending you to. And then call out on their behalf. Because he will surely do it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for your grace. We thank you for your word. We thank you for Jonah. And what we see revealed here, Lord, not only about Jonah and you, but also about us. Lord, help us as we we struggle to obey Lord, help us as we fight against our sin. Lord, help us to rest in Christ's finished work. And Lord, if there are those here today who do not know you and who do not know the forgiveness of Christ, Father, I pray your spirit is at work now. Do what only you can do, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.